welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thank you, Mariana, for being a, a part of a guest on the podcast. I'm looking forward to talking with you. And um, I'll just try to introduce you a little bit. Um, somehow, we became Facebook friends. Um, I think it's because you're in the world of photography, and I used to be, and um, I'm no longer, but um, you still have a business, um, and you're still a photographer, and you're down in Tampa, Florida. And I just have noticed your post, and you seem like a thoughtful person and someone I would enjoy just talking with. So here we are. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's an honor, and yes, I I think we've been Facebook friends for probably a decade or somewhere near. <laughs> and yeah, um, that's I'm honored. Thank you so much for having me. So, um, <laughs> I um. I know you're really into relationships, and I thought that's something that would be interesting to talk with you about because that's such a fundamental part of life and everything. Um, but as far as just kind of uh, knowing a little bit more about just who you are as a person, um, how would you just kind of introduce <laughs> yourself and give us an idea of just who who you are? Okay. Um well, in this season, <laughs> I think um, I would describe myself as someone that is um, completely obsessed and uh, in, in, uh, enamored with finding out the heart of, of Christ, the heart of God. So that's a real big one, right? Um, but for many years in my life, I, I was I shied from saying that or from even understanding what that meant. But that is my first, like my first love. Um, which is to study the heart of God, which what normally people would call theologian or theology. Um, and I do love relationships. I love photography. I love, um, you know, just the dynamics of diversity of humanity. And so um, if someone were to ask me in a simple sentence, it's I am studying the heart of God in every which way I can, while also finding my voice as a creative artist. And so for many years, that was through photography. And in this season, it's through writing. Um, it's a love that I put aside many years ago when I became a mom. And so I picked the pen back up and it's, it's a really fun season that I'm in. <laughs> writing. So like writing um, novels and so forth or essays? Not or? exactly. Yeah, not exactly. I'm more um, writing what the questions that have been on my heart for many years, the questions that I'm struggling through relationships, uh, through the most difficult relationships in my life, whether it's my family um, and dynamics and relationships with my parents or my own children, uh, questions that I've had, failures that I've had, um, and writing in a way that, number one, um, I can understand. So I'm English is my second language. I um, My parents are Cuban immigrants, and I didn't know English until I was probably close to like 10, 11, 12, um, you know, fully. And we lived in Miami, so you didn't really need it. <laughs> um, so you hear, you know, sometimes it peeks through in some of the vowels that I don't enunciate correctly. <laughs> but um, so writing has always been a daunting task for me. Reading um, is enjoyable, but it's always been 
something that I feel like I'm not fully qualified for in the English language. And so I'm actually right. I went back to school and I'm studying literary studies. So I, I love the history and I want to study literature and most, most specifically um, biblical literature. And um, so, yeah, so I'm kind of trying to find my, my, I guess a lot of people call it my voice, but honestly, I'm trying to find his voice through my writing. Now. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> currently. Wow. That sounds really interesting. So, you know, writing about questions that you have, so is this similar to like journaling? Um, because it's that's what I do when I'm journaling. I'm I kind of write a question and then try to figure it out or something. Yeah. Is that similar? Or? I would say it is, but right now um, it's leaning more towards. There's I guess a new genre that they coined as being creative nonfiction, which okay. is a way that you can speak. Um, reality, right? It's not made up, but in a creative way where you are staying true to the truth, whatever that truth may be, but you're doing so in a creative way. So I can give you an example that just happened. <laughs> um, and it's a little, you know, emotional because as you and I had mentioned, uh, my mom passed in September, so it's, it's fairly new. Um, and our family dynamics have always been complicated. Uh, we've had um, just a lot of, I would say there's a mix of long suffering and a mix of, um, for lack of a better word, sin in the family um, where a lot of things have not always come out the way you intended. Um, and so for a long time, I didn't understand my mom. I resented a lot of things and creative writing. Uh, nonfiction has helped me um, in regards to uh, an exercise one of the teachers gave a couple of weeks ago. She said, write out a memory from your childhood in detail. Try, like you said, well, um, journaling, right? So write out every detail, every color, every smell, every scent, every everything you can imagine. Um, and so I, I started and it was pretty interesting for me. I didn't go back to like real deep childhood, I went to like 15, 16 years old, uh, which many would consider isn't that much childhood, but for me, I guess it was impactful. And um, I started describing the scene I was in. I was walking towards the sliding glass door of my parents, um, their home, and, and I was remembering things in the, in the living room. And while I was doing that and writing it out, I felt, and, and, and this is my interpretation, the Holy Spirit telling me, um, there's more here that I want to reveal to you. Um, that normally wouldn't be something you would have remembered. And so I I kept kind of writing and writing, and I recalled in as I was sliding, uh, opening the sliding glass door, I recalled roses that my mom had up the left and the right of the sliding glass doors. I'm 42, and that ha that that's a memory from when I was, you know, a teenager. I've never spoken with my mom about roses. I never, in regards to her roses on her side of her, um, sliding desk doors. We've never had that conversation, um, never mentioned it. I knew she loved roses, but nothing that it came in any conversation. So I, I, I'm taking care of my father. He's 86. And I walk over to his room and I'm like, dad, did mom have roses on the side of the glass doors? And he says, yeah, black beauty roses. And he starts going into detail about them. And 
it reminded me as a teenager how very little we pay attention sometimes to things of our parents and we're caught up in our own world and I was caught up in boys and music <laughs> and how I never paid attention to those roses and the beautiful gift to to have that come up in a memory that I that I give that to you know to the Holy Spirit inspired and I created my a beautiful piece of writing with these roses that I feel is nonfiction. It's not, it's not, it's not, not true. It's, it's truth, but it has a creative aspect of it that came from memory that came from my face that came from knowing what I know of my mom. And it created a beautiful piece that I'm really happy with. So that's what I mean by creative nonfiction. It's for me, it's finding truth, but with the help of, um, to me, someone, you know, God, that knows all things when you don't know all things <laughs> and we're trying to find this place to exist in you know in the middle of all that so you have an interest in um biblical literature are you talking about the bible or other things besides yes. that yes um, the bible. specifically the bible um i believe that for many years i didn't ever see it as a literature piece i saw it as faith you know a book that's about faith a book of answers which at this time i don't believe it's a book of answers at all i think it's a book of questions for our answers for the answers we think we have and um i think studying as literature has a merit that we've never i've never delved into because there are historical elements um behind this piece behind it being canonized that 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 give it its authority that is not at all about being like oh it's a feeling and it's you know <laughs> and so for me it's just a very important part of my faith journey to to give it that respect and to do that studying. So it's all happening simultaneously, which again, I don't really understand much of it. I know that it's um, it's just a season that I believe God has me in and, and it's helping me become more creative um, and just giving more depth to what I've always loved to do, you know, so. It reminds me a little bit of um, the Bible Project. It's... Um you know, a YouTube channel and a podcast that I listen to. Are you familiar with it? No, I'm not. Okay. And um, they deal a lot with the literary structure of the Bible. Oh, okay. And um, so, um, yeah, and then biblical themes and things like that. So they got mm -hmm. like a, a bunch of YouTube video animations that try to illustrate things. But then the, the podcast is just conversation about these things and um, – I've really enjoyed it, but it just reminded, I was reminded of it when you were speaking about how the Bible is literature yeah. um, and it is, it's, um, um, and it's art, you know, that's, um, Absolutely. but, um, so you, you mentioned, um, you know, a desire to know the heart of God and you're seeking that. So that's really interesting. Um, how did that get started for you as far as like a relationship with God? So I know a lot of Christians and a lot of, you know, and you know, people that follow Christ and they have this specific moment and they go to it and, and it's like, here it was. And for me, it's never been that way, that clear cut. Um, I knew of God through my parents, um, but it was more of religion. Uh, we were we were raised Catholic, and so there was a lot of religiosity, for lack of better words, um, happening in our family. But then 
a lot of brokenness too. And so it was, um, I questioned it a lot. And I remember one of my earliest memories in sixth grade, I was in a Catholic school and the teacher or the nun kept telling us that we had to pray these Hail Marys and we had to do these specific things. And I remember walking up to her and saying, why do we have to do all of that when we could just talk to God? You know, just, we don't, you know, have to do. And I remember just having this formulation of a question that I really didn't grasp at that time, but I knew it was important to point out. And I remember her looking at me with this, I'll never forget her expression. <laughs> and I remember just being like, why is she so annoyed by that question? Why, you know, and I remember telling my dad, I got a D in the class <laughs> that year. And uh, I remember my dad telling me, don't, you know, just don't, don't ruffle feathers. You do what you, you know, supposed to do. Maybe it's because you're learning English and you're, you know, and so, but it, it was deeper for me in that moment. It wasn't about a language like English, Spanish. It was more of the language of the heart of God. I, I was not picking up what they were putting down. They were putting down that you'd have to do all these steps to get him to, and he's not really even in the picture. It's like you pray to Hail Marys and you pray to, it's almost like you need an intercessor. But in my mind, God, through Jesus, gave us intercession. And so for me, it was very difficult to understand, but I didn't fully understand what I'm thinking. So as I grew up and became more rebellious and sin became more like adamant in my life, um, I still had that same seed of like, I know Jesus is, is for me, is protecting me, but I wasn't following. I wasn't doing what, I wasn't responding to that love. And I think that a lot of things happened in my life because I didn't know how to appropriately respond to that love. And it wasn't until I met my husband, um, and my husband is from Saudi Arabia, and um, we met in 2007. And I will never forget, it was like in the middle of my most chaotic time of my life. And it was like this very peacefulness that happened when I would see him, when I'd be around him. And there was this discipline in his life that I was like, oh, I want that. I want to be at a Universal Studios and like park and be in line for an hour. And because I know I need to go pray, I need to step out. And like, I I, I, I want to do that, but I don't feel I need to because God knows my heart, you know? And so it was this being face-to-face with someone that was raised in a lot of discipline and a lot of you must do it this way. And I had rebelled against that all my life. And so it was this moment of us kind of putting aside what we had always known to be and being curious about each other and about God in each other. And so we just would have these long conversations. He's got the Quran and I've got the Bible. And I'm thinking about this, you know, this was 2007. And I'm like, what was I thinking? I'm not a theologian. I'm not a biblical scholar. Who did I think I was, you know, being able to explain to him the Holy Spirit? (laughs) And, but it, it makes me chuckle because it's like, that's who our God is. He qualifies and he, he uses every bit of us. And it's like, we want to discard certain parts of us, but he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to use every moment, every season. And it's so beautiful. And, and yeah, we, that's where, my love for Christ really opened up further where I told, you know, I remember specifically making a decision saying, you know, to my husband at the time, my boyfriend, I I really like you, but I love him. I love Jesus. And I, I, I've got to be very clear with you on that. And I've got to be very clear with you about a couple of things. And so, yeah, so that's when it was really like, 
clear to me, hey, yeah. <laughs> um, so how did that work out? Are you both of kind of like two different <laughs> faiths or? Um, we're not. We're, okay. you know, uh, he has his own story and I don't want to get ahead. Um, but I will say we we share the same love for for God. We say, we share the same love for Christ. Um, and the story is really beautiful. I, I would love for, to, for us to continue. We'll share the story and maybe we can sit with Khaled. <laughs> His name is Khaled. Um, but he has a beautiful story and we've, we've, we've raised, um, our children, which when I met him, I already had my two children and they became his children. And then we've adopted my, my sister's children and we've got a total of four. And so it's been, a journey since 2009 um, of seeing God meet us in the midst of all of that. And so, but it was beautiful. It was beautiful to see him and to see what I thought was um, my faith and what he thought was his faith become something new. And I think that that's what Jesus does. He creates new ways, new patterns, new, new thoughts, uh, new ways of thinking. And um, he embraces everything we are. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um so why, I guess my question is why Jesus, like I'm a Christian too, but mm -hmm. um, Jesus, you know, it seems like for you, this isn't just, well, believing in God, this is a particular way of mm -hmm. of knowing God and Jesus is really important in that. So mm -hmm. why why the significance of, of Jesus, you know, for mm -hmm. you? <sighs> it's, and it's, again, this is what I'm currently studying and writing to get that across in the most eloquent and beautiful way, but you're not going to get that well. You're going to get the rough draft, messy, ugly, you know, um, the truth is, is my life has been filled with a lot of trouble, both caused by me, caused without my control. Um, there's been a, a lot of rebellion. There's been a lot of, but through it all, Jesus has been near and I, there's too much that he has done in my life for me to sit here and say, well, I think there's other ways. I, there's just too much proof in my life and there's just too much proof of him showing up when he didn't need to, of him doing what he said he, he would do of, of me connecting what I've read about him in spite of horrors in my life like really horrible things happening um and this peace that transcends understanding and and this ability to to see him do what he says he does which is turning things that were meant to destroy you into good and it's like all my life all my words have been in sync with his in a way that i'm able to identify i'm just not able yet to explain it in a way that, you know, but that's what I'm going to do with my very last breath. You know, it's, that's what he's worthy of. He's worthy of me spending every word trying to describe why him. And for me, it's, he has never, ever left my side and I've pushed him away. I've, I've done so many things to say you're not enough like I need this too and I need this and I want this and um and he's done it consistently uh, even up until last year you know a lot of people think when you follow Christ or a lot of people experience it in that way which is I, I followed him now all my life is 
you know, clean, perfect, everything's great. And that's not how it's worked out for me. I've had deep sin that I didn't even realize way into my marriage. You know, I met Khalid and you, the way I described it, oh, wow, he showed me, you know, this this other side of, of, of discipline and God, and I was able to recognize it. But even when I recognized it, I was still set in my own ways. And there was things that marriage didn't fix in my life. Um, there was things that children and having children didn't fix in my life. It was deep sin that he so gently shows up and says, when you're ready, I'm ready to talk about it. And I'm ready to help you through that and not to shame you, not to accuse you, um, but to free you. And I, I, why Jesus? Because of freedom, because of the freedom that comes only with him, um, because you can be free while you're still searching. You can be free while you're still wrestling. You could be free while you're still not fully who you were meant to be, you know, and, and that's why Jesus, I've been able to be free, you know, and, and I wish I could say it in a better way, but that's, <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> um, you know, when, um, as far as like, you know, Jesus helping to uncover sin, f- fixing sin when we're ready and so forth, like, um, I'm just kind of wondering about that process. Like, uh, is it, um, kind of like being w- won over to something better or something along those lines or? Yeah, it's funny that you say that, Will, because I was talking to my two younger children this morning, and I, I, I that was in my mind. That was in my mind. It's like, how do you articulate what I'm living, right? And so in regards to what you just described, which is, is there a benefit that, like, you know, you, you think about that you're, you know, and for me, I think that it starts with humility. For me, it starts with the humility to know I can't rescue myself and there's no one that can rescue me at all. I can't, even if I tried, if I tried to do things better, if I tried to find all the benefits of living a very, you know, whatever it is, whatever um, spectrum, whatever, you know, um, moral compass, you know, we, we all hold, it's not for me possible with, with, with our own doing. And, you, you know, for me, it was realizing what pride was in my life. I think it pride develops in many different ways for different people. And for me, um, I am by nature a hustler. And when I say that is, I could get myself out of anything. I am, I, I you know, maybe I picked that up from like my father, you know, he's a Cuban immigrant who has incredible, crazy stories of his own life that um, he shared it from a young age. And I just, knew I could do what I want. Like I could really, if I wanted to, I had this bold personality that it was like, if I want to do that, I can. I've had jobs. Like it's just insane. My friends would tell me, you don't take no for an answer and you don't, you know, so there's that part of me that within that characteristic, which is great and God can use it, there was pride. There was sin. And it wasn't until I realized you can hustle every Way which way you want, it will not get you closer 
you know, to that freedom I, I was describing earlier. Um, you will always fall short. Things will always go unplanned. And the worst part for me, the realization that came later, like as in last year, you will hurt the ones you love if you don't get that checked. And it will be something that is this perpetual pain that has been going on for generations and generations. Um, and so it was coming to the realization that, yes, I have the ability to be bold and be and get what I want. But if that is at the cost of hurting others, of hurting myself and truly not getting what I want, because what do I really want? You know, what do I really want? And it truly came to the realization that I want freedom. I want to feel free. I want to feel free to mess up, but not stay in that mess. And free to mess up and not stay in the, in the, in the, in the, and I don't know the word in English, but it's like not stay under the rubble of that mess and say, I've got to fix that. I've got to explain it. I've got to go pinpoint where it went wrong, what part went wrong. And I don't have to do that. That's where that creative nonfiction comes in. It's like I can be bent on the truth and still fall short and have the humility to say, I don't have it all figured out, but he does. And I'm going to study the one that has it figured out. And that position, I think, is where, for me, it's where things have changed. As a mother, as a wife, as a, as a daughter, as where I could be under the rubble of my chaos and the chaos that has been instilled on me, I am able to say, I don't understand which part is my contribution, which part is someone else's. I can't fully say, hey, it's because my father used to, you know, have a very heavy tongue and would say some really horrible things or used to be abusive in this way. I can say all of those things contributed. But I also know the one that knows everything. He knows my heart. He knows their heart. And I'm going to spend my time putting my energy in the right place, which is following and trying to figure out what does he say? And then trying to figure out how to say it, <laughs> like I'm trying to do right here, <laughs> mm-hmm. trying to figure out what, you know, how through me, you know, because he, he has this beautiful individual relationship with, you, with each of us. He speaks through you in a certain way, through me in a certain way, and just trying to figure out, you know, what parts of me do I have to let go of so it doesn't, it doesn't interrupt or it doesn't become an obstacle for what God wants to say through me. Well, that's really interesting. I'm, I can really relate to um, the desire to be able to make sense out of like the mess in our lives and um, the desire to want to feel like, you know, it's uh, not my fault to, (laughs) I can, um, or to justify oneself, you know, myself. Um, And um, so it's interesting that um, Jesus helps you and not having to go through that, you know, you described it really well, like (laughs) trying to, you know, trace back what happened, who's at fault, um, and and so forth, and even just trying to understand it. And it is so. Is the way that Jesus helps you with that just by His um, like unconditional love, despite the mess? And is that why it makes it okay to have the mess and not to be able to resolve <laughs> it, or or something along those lines? Or? I think, yeah, there's, that's a part of it. 
But that's the part of it I think that a lot of, and I'm just going to speak from my personal family, I think that's the part that my children, especially my older children, are kind of like either confused or annoyed by. Because I think for so long, that's where as a Christian body of Christ, as the church, we, we have kind of stood, which is, he loves you so much, it's okay to be a mess. Or, he loves you so much, it's not okay to be a mess. So it's always been this like black or white. And I believe it's, it's more of my response to that. I think the focus has been on what he's done. And it's true, unconditional love. But it's responding to that and watching. I think it's self-inventory. Um, I don't know if the, that's the right word. But checking myself and saying, am I responding to his unconditional love appropriately? You know, am I responding appropriately? So God says, come as you are, right? Or, you know, that's what the church has said for a long time. And then we get angry or we get bothered or we get annoyed when people stay as they are, right? Because we want to, like you said, it's, am I the problem? Are they the problem? Why are things still as they are? Why can't they, you know, why aren't we seeing change? And I believe it's in realizing, are you humble enough to turn your face towards him and to say, Check my heart. Check me first before you check anything else. And and am I responding appropriately? Like for me, for many years, I don't think I responded appropriately. And it's not that I wasn't following him. I think that the beautiful art of sanctification, right, which is him turning us, us becoming more like him, right? Sanctification is truly just being more like Jesus. I think we really don't fully all understand what that means. And, you know, as a creative, as, as an artist, I see it as in this new light of we will never fully understand it. I don't think we fully understand when someone writes a poem or writes a, we can always, there's classes, right, on, you know, one of my favorite writers right now is C.S. Lewis. And I love the, have you ever read the book, The Great Divorce? Mm-hmm. Okay. My favorite book, I just wrote a research paper on it, just on chapter 13, The Fate of Pity. But I'm obsessed. I didn't know C.S. Lewis before Narnia. I, I, I didn't know him before The Great Divorce. That's how I came to know C.S. Lewis. And this last year, I didn't know him before, which is crazy, right? And But I just didn't, I didn't hear of him. Um, my point being that he has, well, there's classes and there's, there's books on him. And everybody's trying to understand this author, this prolific author, right? And and there's so many opinions and there's so many, um, you know, studies, but we wouldn't know his heart fully. Only God does, right? So we can glean whatever we can glean from this author. And, and, and I believe that that, that has shown me that I have spent a lot of my life trying to figure out, am I being perceived correctly by my family? Am I being understood? Am I being understood? Am I being seen by God and understood? And he is, he has showed me through his unconditional love. I see you more than you see yourself. I see things that you don't even want to see that you can't see. You can't even fathom that about yourself or about others. And it's like, again, back to that humility, it's finding that space of humility for myself where I can say, I really don't know fully, but I am fully known. And so I don't think it's, him giving me the ability to stay in that mess through his unconditional love. I think it's him giving me the permission to continue my journey and not staying in that mess and not being 
not succumbing to that mess and not succumbing to my own narrative of that mess and being able to say, it's almost like a rope that he's giving me through his word. And this goes back to why the word is literature. The word is, it is his word. It has the ultimate say, it never comes back empty. It's exactly, it does exactly what it was, what it was meant to do. It became flesh. You know, there's so much I could go off on a tangent with that, but the truth is, his word is everything I need. And it does seem very simplified for a lot of people, and it can be frustrating. Um, oh, okay, so I just need his word. But what if I don't understand his word? And so, again, it's this, I feel, this vicious circle that sometimes we can't get in as humans. But I think that what I've, what I've come to at this point in my life is when I'm humble and I can, and I can say, hey, I don't fully understand it, but I'm willing. I'm willing to continue to grapple and to con- continue to wrestle and to be real, to just be as real as I can be. You know, I think that that is what he's helped me do, you know. And the means of connecting to him, it's through the, the word. Is that basically, you know, the attachment there? Yeah. Okay. I think for me, it's finding out, you know, making making uh, boundaries, right? I will not focus on taking the word out of context. I will go the extra mile. I'll go and if that means I have to take a little course in Hebrew. I mean, and that means that not a lot of not a lot of people can do that. Right? Not a lot of not everybody can, you know, we live I was telling my husband like we live in a in a world at least in Tampa where I could just press a button and everything is like Uber Eats and you know everything is so quickly available, but but understanding his word is not quickly available. You know, that's something that does need a boundary of slowing down of it's almost like and I think that there's a verse that says when you come to him you have to have the correct heart posture and I think that that's what I'm describing maybe long-winded is I've, I've learned to come with the right heart posture to him because if we don't do that his word like a book like any book you pick up if you don't come with the right understanding of how to read that book you won't understand it and I think that the, the first place to start is not even in language it's in your heart posture. Are you coming to the to, to this literature, understanding its background, understanding, you know, what it's meant to do, and then reading it in that context and, and, and trying to stay in that hermeneutics, right, in that method um, as much as you can, you know? So any th- uh, thoughts about how to... Um take that to others or approach others with that grace that you're receiving. Um, like you're, um, you know, you're being impacted um, through the word by the person of Jesus. So when it comes to reaching out to others in some way, um, you know, <laughs> Uh, how um, how can you take some of that and it pass through you to you know so that you're kind of sharing some of that with them? Any thoughts about mm-hmm. that? Yeah, <laughs> it's not easy. Um, for many years, I thought, well, the way that works is, well, you know Jesus, I know Jesus. Oh, we'll talk about Jesus and we'll be best friends and everybody. We, you know, we'll just have like this great community. That's not how it's looked for for me or my family at all. You know, we were part of a church for 11 years. And 
again, not maybe it's a mixture of you know both, but there was not that connection. There was not that that um that feeling of like you know, hey, this is I don't know explain it. I'm still working that out, but it was just there was a disconnect. That's how I'm gonna explain it. There was a disconnect, and in that disconnect that God has allowed, there's been such fruit from that, which is what you're asking. It's how do we once we've been shown that grace. And specifically in this, how do we share that? I've learned that we share it with the people that you don't think you need to share it with. I think you, I think for me, it's been putting yourself in situations that will make you uncomfortable and that are not comfortable and that are not the norm and being hospitable to people that normally you wouldn't have conversations with. And to do that, there needs to be that humility and that process inside of you where you need to check for sin. Um, and what I mean by that is, for example, certain groups of people that normally you wouldn't associate with. And, and what I, that could be for me, I'm, my parents are Cuban, we're, you know, they're immigrants. So in Miami, there's where we lived, it was like little Cuba. There was, nobody spoke English and, you know, you stayed with your people, right? Um, in that sense. And so, I think that happens a lot in this country with, with, I don't know what to say. It doesn't have to be culture. It could also be subcultures. It's, it could also be, you know, if I'm at, you know, so for me, it's been more of a discovery of listening and being around people that I normally would not identify with. So for example, my children are 20 years younger than me my older children. So I'm in school with 20 year olds right now. <laughs> I'm in school with children that are, you know, they don't know, the majority is a, it's a public school. So they don't, they don't know um, Jesus the way I know him. And so the, the conversations are not as like this right now, well, where I'm speaking a lot, it's more where I'm listening and I'm trying to understand where they're coming from and um, what their need is. And here's the difficult part, going home and figuring out how to do something that is uncomfortable, that I'm not equipped for, and that I do not have the natural ability to get it done. That's the struggle. It's, I think we think, oh, well, God gives me grace. I'm going to do it to whatever is easiest. I'm going to spread that to whoever is easiest or whoever's more, whoever is more comfortable. You know, so if that means taking cookies which there's nothing wrong with that. Taking cookies to, you know, your your friend at, from church or uh, taking care of their babies. That is beautiful. That is to me what we're called to do, right? To be there for each other in community. But when I specifically, I believe the Great Commission is going out there and being uncomfortable. I, you know, I think about the Samaritan woman and, and Jesus at the well. And those are the, the, the things we need to study. That's like the other side of it, you know, that's the other side where we need to study and figure out what do I have to take care of inside of me that I'm biased about, that maybe I have preconceived notions about, and I've got to lay those at his feet, and I've got to go in and do what he's asking me to do. That's the uncomfortable part that I think that's where we sometimes don't grow as his body and we, we don't reach, you know, and yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. That there are certain groups that are um, just hard to connect with. We think differently, we live differently, 
and mm-hmm. the communication doesn't flow. It doesn't click, you know, at all. <laughs> so it is more challenging. Um, you know, um, one group are uh, so at the gym. That's kind of my place where I yeah. a lot of interaction goes on. You know, sitting in the sauna and so forth. Mm-hmm. But um, some of these young guys are so filled with, um, like, uh, they're so optimistic about their lives. They just feel, you know, they're into self-help books and they're into mm-hmm. like their, whatever they're working on and, you know, their fitness is going well, their work, their plans, they just got this life plan and everything. And it's, I almost feel like there's nothing I can t- say to them because they're not ready to hear it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. like what you were describing about, um, just kind of like brokenness, like that's where the grace of Jesus meets, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, um, yeah. So I'm not, one thought that comes to mind is, um, you know, just trying to poke at that optimism, like, um, and I do, I'm pretty subtle, you know, like, um, <laughs> you, um, you know, just talking about like, you know, it all comes to an end at some point, <laughs> you know, every one of us, Absolutely. we, we, um, <laughs> we just come apart until we're dust, you know, in the ground. But, um, or there's, um, in, and I never do this, but like, um, I don't know if I should or not, but there's um, the whole aspect of just kind of bringing, you know, God's standard into play. Like, do you, do you realize just what you are called to, you know? And I think that's what, you know, the law kind of Uh gives us it. It's like, um, well, there's the mark and it shows, you know, the intent of it, I think is to show us how we don't measure up and maybe bring us Uh to the point where God, can meet with us, but you have any thoughts about like connecting with, um, people such as that or just anything else? Yeah. Well, that, I mean, I think that that was such an important example that you just shared. I mean, that you hit the, the, you know, what is that term in English? Like you hit the nail on the head, (laughs) um, because it's so true. How can you talk to about a savior and the need for rescue? To someone that's very comfortable and saying, I don't need any type of rescue. Mm-hmm. I've got, I've got my Uber Eats. I've got, <laughs> you know, like I keep saying that, like I, we live in a very privileged country and we live in a very, like our society is, we have access to so much. There's, I, I was telling my kids, I'm like, how many Bibles do we have in the house? Over 20, over 20 Bibles in different languages in Arabic and English and Spanish. And, and it's like, there's some countries. You can't even have like a page of the Bible that, you know, so that you, what you just shared, um, is so important because then you're, you're sometimes like, how do I reach someone that has it all? That's comfortable. Yeah. You don't want to desire paying for them. You know, you don't want to, like you said, pop their bubble because it does end and you don't want something horrific to happen. And even when horrific happens, sometimes they'll just resort back to that comfort. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's such a difficult place. But as I was listening to you, I felt it's exposure. And I just, I, I, I just saw it clearly just now. It's exposure to the rest of the world. 
it's exposure. So how do we, how do we do that? How do we speak to that? It's exposure. It's what you're doing. It's exposure to the world that is different than you. I think you cannot change their mindset. You can't change their heart. You can't change their location or their comforts. The only thing you can do is expose them to a life that is different from theirs. Hmm. And I think that that is the beginning. You know, that's not the only answer, but I think that that's the beginning. It's exposing a very comfortable society with the discomforts of the world. And it's not just a click um, and a donate button and a, let's just, you know, send some thoughts and prayers and let's just, you know, it's, it's finding a way to expose a society that's very comfortable to the truth. Um, it's almost like the Wizard of Oz, unveil the curtain, right? It's like, show what's really happening. Now that that's in itself what needs to be unpacked. How do you do that? How do you do that um, in an elementary school? How do you do that in a high school? How do you do it in college? How do you do it with guys in a sauna that are on their, you know, 15 minute break and they're going to go back and like, you know, talk about stocks and <laughs> or whatever it is that they're doing, you know? So how do we find the opportunities? I think the first thing is we pray about it. And I, you know, we, we got together to talk about some interesting things and, but I, I leave convicted to pray specifically about that, to talk to, to God about how can we reach those that are really comfortable you know, and, and the, the prayer that came, the, the scripture that came to my mind is, and maybe I'll get it wrong, but it's, there was a man who Jesus was speaking to, and I think he was a rich man. I might be getting it wrong, but he's talked about this woman that gave everything. And he is telling him, well, I gave this, you know, I, I, I did a lot, you know, and, and, and Jesus tells him, well, she gave everything. Kind of hinting to, hey, you've got to give it all, you know, and you've got to give that whole heart soul and mind and and I think the story is that the guy says you know I can't do that and there was a new way of interpreting and when I mean new it's like a it's the word I'm trying to say it was like when you've been told a story a lot and then there's more development to it I think that in this last season I've been feeling that God is revealing more development to the the, the scriptures right and one of the Things that I saw was I feel that Jesus felt compassion for this man because this man truly was a slave to everything he had responsibility over. And God felt, God felt compassion for him. Like it's a lot to give up everything, especially when you believe that you're the one moving the wheel. You know, who knows how much responsibility that rich man has because with money comes responsibility. With a lot comes a lot of responsibility. And so I think that we have to realize that, um, that with this comfort comes a lot of attachment and a lot of, you know, for lack of a better word, slavery in that sense, like you are a slave to work, you're a slave to. And so we have to ask God to help us see things differently, see it differently. Don't look at what you're seeing by sight. Some guy sitting in a sauna saying how like great his life is, you know, and there, like you said, there's more. How do you unveil the the curtain and what's behind that? How do we show, you know, that there's there's a form of slavery that is tied to that, hmm. um, or idolatry? You know, maybe I'm I'm using the wrong word, but for me recently, that's what it was. God revealed my idolatry and how that was not allowing me to see 
even more what he had for my life, you know, and, and, and sometimes what he has more for our life is not comfort and not convenient. And that's a really hard, we're bad salespeople. <laughs> like I would say that Christianity is never going to be good at sales because what are you selling? You're selling, Hey, give up your life. The comforts, you know, that, that are really enslaving you, but you don't feel as such, you know? Um, so it's, I think the conviction is that's the Holy Spirit's job. Our, I think our job is just to be real with ourselves, humble in spirit and realizing, you know, when we have these conversations, what about me? Did I need to give up? What am I a slave to still? You know, what am I still, what, what do I have in common with this person that I'm trying to let them know about Jesus and then finding a way to be honest with that person and saying, Hey, look, this is what I found about myself. And this is where, you know, I feel free. And then letting the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit's going to do, because, you know, there's just nothing we can do in that regard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when it comes to um, like relationships and, you know, Jesus working in our hearts and us wanting to be transformed and um, in the way that we approach other people. I've been thinking recently about Romans chapter 12, which has a lot oh. to do with re- relating to other people. And there's um, a verse, I'm just going to paraphrase it, but it's mm-hmm. something along the lines of, you know, as much as it depends upon you, be at peace with everybody. So um, Paul he seems to be saying, um, you know, it might, there might be situations that are hard um, and, you know, there might not be peace, but as much as it depends upon you. So it, that kind of reminds me that there's going to be, you know, it's not all in our hands, but then uh-uh. we do want to be faithful to do everything that we can. And I kind of think of that last verse of that chapter, um, don't be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. And I think of like the evil as the destructive influence that might come from an, s- somewhere else. Like, and mm-hmm. the way that we could experience that destruction could be like it getting to us like bitterness or um, wanting to um, return evil for evil or something along those lines, but to be okay. victorious over that and to overcome evil with good, it seems like would be, to, you know, have like more of the heart of Christ when he said, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do and along those lines. Absolutely. So um, I guess, does anything come to mind as far as experience of um, that type of situation and how to, you know, how you approached it or anything along those lines? So it is very much... um, a struggle, you know, I think that that's, I'm going to take that verse and I want to meditate on it all this week <laughs> because uh, I think you just confirmed to me um, something that I, I was needing. Um, I've had that verse on my mind for a couple of days and it's, like I said at the beginning of our conversation, my family has had a lot of, uh, I'm going to call it what the world calls it dysfunction right? It's not functioning well. Um, A lot of disagreements, a lot of pain and suffering and lack of peace. And one of the things that, as you were sharing that verse, came to my mind is um, 
Jesus knew that we will not always see eye to eye with family members. He didn't. You know, his family members, I mean, I just think about James and I'm just like, wow, like he sat across from him and had dinner with him and was like, what is he talking about? You know, not until after his crucifixion um, did James become a pillar of the faith. And so to me, that's just such a picture of God showing us that he understands our struggles and he understands difficult family members and difficult people. And I think we think in a very result-driven world that we need to see results the way the world wants it, right? And so we are caught up by the world's the world view of reconciliation. We're called by the world to be kind and nice and good and be sweet and, you know, all these things, right? And there's this war inside of us, right? Because we're like, why, why do I have to be nice to someone that has trampled all over me? Or why do I have to turn the other cheek in a toxic way? You know, these are key words that the word the world keeps using, right? Toxic and, you know, all these words. And so I, I don't believe Jesus has done any of that or even asked us to do any of that. I think he calls us to focus beyond that and to understand that that is a human condition. That is a problem in this world, in a broken world. Um especially with an enemy that we have, you know, and he tells us that we do not fight flesh, right? It's not, it's, it's, um, dark municipalities, right? And he, he talks about all this. And so when you were sharing that verse about peace, it's, that should be our commitment. Our commitment should not be, let's just disagree or let's just agree to disagree or let's just, uh, you know, our commitment should be to speak truth with love first to ourselves so that we know our heart is in the right place, then to others, and to do so in a a way that that would that that promotes peace, that promotes vulnerability, that promotes compassion, that promotes the the fruits of the spirit, because that would show you you are walking with the spirit. Right. If these fruits of the spirit are not involved in your conversations, we tend to want to put the blame. Oh, it was them. Or it was, you know, but the truth is God wants us to ask ourselves, what are you contributing? That the, and this is back to C.S. Lewis, um, chapter 13 on the great divorce. What are we contributing that the enemy is benefiting? Because we are offended or because we feel righteously angry. And so what are we benefiting the, 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 the other side, right? The, the, you know, what are we doing? And so what I feel that God calls us to do is to die to that. Die to, and that's the sacrificial part. The turning of the cheek and the uh, being peacemakers is truly to die to you getting in the last word or you being right. And so there's a thin line between the worldview that says, well, that's toxic. That's just you being gaslight, you know, gaslight or whatever the world says, right? But that's not at all. That's a perverted version of what God is calling us to do. He is calling us to stay committed to his reconciliation. And he has boundaries in that, right? There's, in order to be biblically reconciled, you have to have a willingness to be discipled, have to have humility. And the number one, right, is repentance. You have to turn away from, you have to have a change of mind, a change of heart, and a turning away. So when those things are not there, then we should be at peace. That that is not what, that is not 
that's not what's happening in this in this relationship. And so instead of being offended, instead of taking, you know, uh, having a grudge and, you know, being like, well, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. And I think we need to take a stand um, through God's ministry, through Jesus' ministry and say, you know, I will pray, bless that person. And there's a scripture that says, uh, bless them, turn your face towards them. It's doing good. It's choosing to do good. And in, in, in choosing to do it from a genuine heart posture, not from I'm just going to do this because if not, you know, it's really, and that wrestling is what I'm, it's, that's where I'm sitting at in this conversation. It's where you have to do the work to get there. That can take years. And in those years or in those months or in those weeks, the enemy is benefiting. I guess, I guess that's the part I'm trying to like pull out of the conversation is it does not happen overnight for us. Uh, for example, with my 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 sister, I I have deep hurts. You know, I'm, I'm I'm raising her children, and there's a lot of hurts, and um and I've always wanted to have this loving, beautiful relationship with her, and her come to Jesus. And but there are things that I've got to understand about myself, that I've got to understand about her, about, and I can't do that when I'm in a state of offense. When I'm uh, looking at her, you know, our, our beautiful children that we are sharing because I'm raising them, you know, and, and, and finding fault and saying, well, I wish she would do what she needed to do or this or this is, you know, the, uh, what's a, something that, you know, sometimes you could say it's like, this is not my problem or this is not what, you know. So you become bitter and you mimic truly what is afflicting those that don't know Jesus. And I feel like he's reminding us, don't be afflicted. Don't conform to the ways of the world. Don't be afflicted by the same things. I've given you freedom that you could feel those things, but you can bring them to me. And in bringing them to me, I replace that with freedom so that you can commit, do what I've asked you to do, and trust. Trust that I will be, I, I'm justice. If there's wrongs that have happened to you, if there's wrongs that you've done, like, I am justice and I will set things right. I am setting things right. That's what I've been doing, you know? And so I hope that wasn't too confusing, but that's kind of the where, where I'm at and how I'm thinking about that, you know? And I read um, the book, The Bait of Satan by John Revere, I think it is. And it really changed my life. It's, it's something that we, I think, need to guard our hearts from, which is feeling righteously angry and upset and then moving through those feelings versus feeling those things and moving through his spirit. It's a choice. So I like the way you, you put it that we can't, we can't um, effectively like respond back and do right. If we're in a state of offense, <laughs> that somehow we have to get over that because it's, um, it can't just be a cold legal trying to do the right thing it really needs to you know be a matter of the heart um like the i guess it's you know it's referred to as the golden rule seems helpful as far as guidance like um in everything due to others as you would have them do to you and that can be um kind of helpful because sometimes if i just stop and think you know what's my motivation right mm. here in this conversation mm. what am i trying to achieve and um if i kind of make that like okay well who are they what's going on and what do they need then that mm -hmm. can really um 
give some direction and make things work out better. Um, but somehow, yeah, kind of getting away from that being in a state of offense. And I guess the way you're describing it, it's not like maybe just click and you're there, but it's like something to move through. Um, what about, um, routines and so forth that, um, kind of, um, nourish or feed this mindset and so forth? What does that look like in like, a your life? <laughs> Messy. Messy. <laughs> <laughs> I am, uh. I, like I said, my uh, my way of just my natural being is I hate consistency in regards to like I I, I, I am a, a natural born rebel. <laughs> that's that's the truth. So I'm going to tell you, will if you pray for me that I'll build some more consistency? <laughs> it would benefit my life so much. Um, but to be honest, it's just um, putting him first, you know, um, and being offering myself grace you know for a long time I spent you know I spent years just angry at myself because I'm feeling less than and that's not what he wants for us you know feeling like I can't do it you know I'm I I, I can't be the type of person that wakes up at five in the morning and like prays for two hours and you know and has this consistent schedule I I am the type of person that my schedule is all over the place you know and um but there's this middle place that he's met me at. He's met me at this place of my willingness to wake up at five in the morning, even if I go right back to sleep at six. <laughs> uh, my, my, my willingness to, to allow him to help me, you know, to, and I think that that's where I've been at for a while. It's just this place of allowing him to help me and to make something new. And so I've become this consistent person in regards to a couple of things that I never thought I'd be consistent about before. And so much of that has been with writing, um, with creating art. Um, photography has been so, so good to me in that, in that way that it's been something that I can consistently enjoy and do. And, um, and just being in his word, you know, to be honest, like that's what's helped me studying. So what, what I've done since I, I'm not consistent in picking up the book, his book and reading it. I do Bible study. And so I will bring in a couple friends and, you know, do Zoom Bible study. And that keeps me committed and consistent. And it's almost like, I think I heard someone say many years ago, if you want to learn something, once you've like gotten a good grasp of it, teach it. And that will help you kind of solidify, you know, your, your, your learning, your mastering of it. And so I've always have a, a, had a teaching heart. I've always wanted to be a teacher. It was always something that I aspired to do. Um, and so I found a little way of, of doing that, you know, mess in a messy way, but, <laughs> um, but that's helped me a lot, you know, and, and surrounding myself with, with people that pray, friends that pray, family that pray. Um, you know, I think we often overlook the power of prayer and, um, and love, love covers a multitude of sins. Right. And so having that heart, posture of I'm going to do the most loving thing and the, the, the thing that I know is what's going to keep me close to his spirit you know that's what's helped me um in regards to my routine you know anything that doesn't keep me close to his spirit 
I've had to regretfully say no. And some of that has come at a cost. And so especially when you have a business, especially when, um, you know, there's, there's a cost to following him and to studying his art. It doesn't, you know, always come out really easy and, and, you know, comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I like that making decisions about what's going to keep you close to his spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we probably should wrap up one thing I would, you know, I just looked at your webpage earlier this morning, not your webpage, your Facebook and um, profile. I saw <laughs> that um, little video clip of your dad, um, like pledging his, it looked like he was like pledging his love toward your mom. Like, <laughs> a little, um, a little fella got in the way and he said um, something like, Hey, you know, something's going on here. <laughs> yep. That's Alex. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, that just seemed really neat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, but anyway, um, so, you know, before we um, just um, uh, go off, um, you know, I'll, I'll get your, you know, however people can follow you or know about your business and so forth. But just anything else that you'd like to um, bring up or say here, you know, just wrapping up? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, thank you for mentioning that video because that was um, one of the last videos I have on my mom and my dad. Hmm. And it was, it's such a beautiful yeah. moment in time where in spite of all the chaos and dysfunction and family drama, <laughs> we were together and it was just beautiful. And so I, I believe we should always look for those beautiful moments in spite of being in this broken world. You know, I think that's the heart of Jesus. It's too, he didn't come to condemn. He came to save and, he wants us to follow, you know, and so, and to extend that freedom, you know. So I think to, to add, you know, just if, if anyone hears this, you know, that they could pray that this next season's in my life, um, whatever God is going to do with my business and with, um, this heart work, um, that I'm doing and with this studying of his word and his, and his, and literature, right? And his literature, I, I don't know what he's going to do, but I pray that it's um, that it offers hope to many families like mine, and it offers um, hope to prodigals like all of us, you know, and, um, and that somehow we find a new way to connect, you know, his way. Um, and yeah, that's that's about it. And I just really thank you, Will. Like this was just so good to kind of get words out that have been in my mind <laughs> for a while. Um, I really appreciate it, and I feel honored to talk with you. Thank you. <laughs> well, I feel honored to be able to be in a conversation for you with you. Yeah. So, um, thank you for being a guest. Um, and you you want to um, let us know about your website or however, whatever you'd like to say as far as how people can yeah. you know, know more about you and follow you. So, I'm going to give my Instagram because I'm mostly active there. I'm still trying to transition our website um, to add this kind of different season that I'm in. Um, and so, I'll give you that. It's Mariana, M A R I A N A H, 
Mosley, M-O-S-L-I, and they can find me on Instagram and reach out to me, anyone that loves poetry and literature and <laughs> and uh, photography, you know, and family, I'd love to connect. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Mariana. Thank you, Will. You have a beautiful week. Bye-bye. Thanks. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.